What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Deep Two, a basketball podcast where we talk the latest in the NBA, as well as giving some of our mild to spicy takes um, in there as well. So today is is a little bit different, Ryan. Um, we are an NBA podcast, uh, but a big part of the NBA are future NBA stars. And so uh, with March Madness kicking off this Thursday, um, we just had um, Selection Sunday just a couple days ago. We are going to spend today just talking about March Madness. But before that, Ryan, I, I forgot to ask my, my, my typical question. How are you living today? <laughs> Man, this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. I'm doing great. Keith, I have a question for you, actually, to, to oh, kick off this pod. It. If I threw out all 30 NBA teams in a single elimination tournament, how confident do you think you would be that you could pick all, I think, 29 games, right? Um, probably. In the NBA, it's it's less uh, it's less sporadic, mm-hmm. but it, there's still there's still a lot of there's still a lot of uh, surprises that would probably be in there. I would probably say like a good 60 percent of the games I could probably guess right. See, that's what I was thinking. Then the Knicks nine-game winning streak ended to the Hornets the other day, and I was like, you know what? This is why March Madness is so hard right here, because any team mm-hmm. can win any game. So, oh, goodness. Well, Keith, uh, I wanted to go ahead and kick off today's pod. Um, I'm going to just get, you know this. I'm going to let the people at home just have a little uh, little insight. I'm going to do the recap here, um, just give you guys kind of a summary of the whole college basketball season. If anyone hasn't watched or if you just need like a good primer, if you're, you know, starting out and you're just looking up YouTube videos of guys filling out brackets, reading articles, crunching all the numbers, doing all that good stuff, that's part of the fun of March. But if you need to know some context, I'm a big context guy as, you know, we'll get into that throughout the podcast as well. Um, I want to go ahead and tell you guys what's been going on this season. So uh, just to lay some ground rules, if you're just now rejoining the college basketball landscape for the first time in several months, for the first time since last year, uh, remember the games are significantly shorter. Uh, Typically a college basketball game lasts around an hour of real time. It's a a 40-minute game of game time. So just remember that. Scores are a lot lower. They're usually in the 60s or 70s. and yeah, yeah, the 63 total games, uh, what you want to do if you're filling out a bracket, you know, I would recommend starting with the the eight seat or the elite eight in the final four. That's going to get you the most points. Don't worry so much about the first round games, even though that's probably the most fun thing to watch. But Keith, this game or this season began, uh, let's start in the preseason here with uh, a team that played in the championship last year, a team that knocked out uh, Mr. K in his final game. He used to be called Coach K, but he's not a coach anymore. Uh, Mr. K's season ended to the North Carolina Tar Heels, and they were essentially rewarded by being this year's preseason number one. And for the first time in like 50 years, the preseason number one didn't make the tournament. Mm. It's, it was a it was a tough year, a tough year for Armando Baycott, who I like a lot. But uh, yeah, that team team missed Brady Manic a whole lot this year, Keith. You mean, do you mean uh, Armando Baycott, the Outer Bank star? Yeah, same guy. <laughs> um the uh the acc as a whole has just just been down if if you're coming back to basketball and you're thinking like oh man yeah we have we have duke we have uh, nc state you know there's some some teams in here i'm sure miami's pretty good uh spoiler they're probably not the acc is uh you know we we have the power five schools in college football which is like the five best conferences and there's always that that conversation uh, when it's like playoff time or, or selection time where it's like you know like why can't a, a lower conference team get in if they went undefeated or something like that? Um, think like a, a Central Florida or or a team like that. Uh, you know, that, that kind of conversation goes on. You have the Power 5 schools. Just to put this into perspective, the ACC is uh, Ken Palm's sixth-rated conference this season. Uh, they are just ahead of the Mountain West Conference. So that is what we're dealing with. Uh, almost all of their teams are outside of the top 140 teams in the country. That's, that's been a running theme throughout this whole season. Uh, if you don't know what Ken Palm is, just for anyone at home, it's basically just a ranking of how hard your schedule is compared to your offensive and defensive efficiency ratings. So it's essentially just like a very mathematical way of ranking how good you are. You don't have to live with it, but you can if you want to. Uh, taking the ACC's place has been the SEC, which has essentially risen to be the second best conference in all of college basketball. People have been joking all year that it seems like whoever the best SEC team is just a lock to be the number one seed in the tournament, they're, or they're you know going to be a top three seed overall. And for much of the year, that's been Alabama. 
but uh, I mean, the ACC's woes have been have been kind of crazy. I really do want to hit this home because I think team people are going to see and have that name recognition throughout the tournament. And I just need you to know, like, like Louisville, you know, recognize Louisville as a as a standard like college college basketball favorite. Louisville was the 338th ranked team in college basketball this year, which was just about dead last. So. Rising with the SEC has been Alabama. They've been a perennial top three overall number, uh, and they they are the number one overall seed in the tournament. They're led by Brandon Miller, who's going to be the first college basketball player taken in this year's draft, currently projected to be uh, either the fourth or fifth pick, depending on which Thompson brother goes where. Um, he's, he's dealt with his own stuff. I know that we're going to get into that later in the pod, if anybody even still needs to hear about that. Uh, the Big 12, though, has been stacked. If you're looking at teams throughout this year, uh, the Big 12's been the best conference. The Big 12 is a different conference from the Big 10, if you don't know that. Some people don't know that. Um, Big 12 is, uh, you know, just to put it in perspective, the worst team in the conference was Oklahoma this year, pretty decidedly, and Oklahoma beat Alabama by 20 points at, at Alabama. So um, the actual AP All-Americans just went, just can't were, were released about five minutes ago and I was scrolling through it on my phone as the podcast was starting saw that Zach Eady was the unanimous uh was a unanimous uh first team all-american Zach Eady from Purdue will be uh the national player of the year he's a seven foot four big man um well deserving he's one of the best players all year long so if you see Purdue in your bracket just know they have the best player probably in the whole tournament but he is also a seven foot four big man that's something I'm going to touch on later in the next segment and just close it out, you know, some teams changed coaches this year. Some of my favorite moments from this season include uh, Miami's Jim Laranega. He picked up his 700th win of the se- of his career, which puts him fourth all-time in the ACC. Um, but the reason why this is one of my favorite moments of the year and I wanted to work it in is he actually, of all teams, he, he got it against the school that he actually went to when he was in school. That was Providence. Uh, Jim Beheim, I'm sure everyone knows, has unceremoniously left Syracuse, just sort of said in a press conference that he was done (laughs) no big speech no farewell tour no uh, video that he narrated about his own life no over dramatic you know every player who's ever played for him coming back for one final game where they lose unceremoniously to their in-state rival and I'm not taking shots at Mr. K here Um, (laughs) and Jay Wright left Villanova Villanova fell off a cliff and the Big East has been wide open all year long uh, a lot of these Big East teams, you know, UConn, Xavier, they've been they've been great this year. Uh, Creighton's had a great year in Villanova's sort of absence, so it's it's been really fun watching that conference. Um, and and one thing that I would like to say, just to kind of close it out, as we're heading into March, you know, a lot of teams got really hot. A lot of the teams that I didn't want to see get hot got hot through other conference tournaments. You know, Duke won the ACC tournament, so they're coming into the the tourney hot. Alabama, you know, they're they're on a winning streak. They won the SEC tournament. So just keep an eye on that. Texas won the Big 12 tournament. But I do want to point out, you know, if if you're just now seeing some of these teams, I know it's going to be sort of a uh, an enticing thing to just look at the stats. The stats are everywhere. You know, like the big things that everyone on TikTok or in YouTube videos say is like, these are the only things that matter. You know, they'll be telling you about rebounding and, and turnovers and uh, offensive and defensive efficiency ratings. And you can look at all that and you can be like, oh, well, this team's definitely going to beat this team. You know, if you are ever confused filling out your bracket, now just about every app will let you tap on a team and see it. I need you guys to just remember like context is everything. Tennessee allowed 50, 58 points per game, uh, which is one of the lowest in all of college basketball while they played one of the hardest schedules in college basketball. So you might think, Oh, Tennessee, great defense. That'll help in March. Well, context, Tennessee lost their starting point guard, Zakai Ziegler, for the rest of the season. He's out for the the whole tournament. He's their best defender. He was by far their best offensive option. So when you see that four next to Tennessee, you know, you'll you'll be tempted. And and there's teams all across the the bracket that are like that. You know, Uh, Virginia lost Ben Vanderplass, who's their starting point guard. UCLA lost Jalen Clark, who is basically the best defender in the nation. He's like, I think, fifth in the nation in steals. Uh, so a lot of these teams are coming in with high numbers next to them. I know Virginia's a four seed and UCLA is a two seed. So you're going to see these numbers and you're going to think, okay, this team's definitely, you know, they're they're going to win two or three games. Just know if you're looking for teams to circle early on and and you're wondering who might be an early out, 
just keep that context in mind. Look for injuries. Look for anything that that has changed in the last few weeks so that, you know, when you look at these team stats and you look at what the guys on TikTok and YouTube are telling you are going to be the, the sneaky Cinderella teams, just remember, you know, some things have changed in the last few weeks. And, and the teams that these guys were back in November and December, they might not be that team in March. So all that to say, Keith, very excited for this tournament. That's my recap of the season. I think we're going to get into some key players next. We're going to be talking about, uh, I think we're just going to do a little back and forth, you know. I don't think you guys, don't think you guys at home need to hear two guys talk about 126 basketball games, <laughs> breaking down our whole brackets. We'll talk about some individual games. We'll talk about who we have as winners at the end. Uh, but I, I told Keith, I was like, you know, man, let's talk some, uh, let's talk some key players, some key games, just key in on a few moments that we can expect this week. Uh, so Keith, I'm going to let you have the floor. I've been talking for a minute. Uh, tell us about a key player you have in this year's tournament. Absolutely. First of all, Ryan, I want to say that was a, an incredible recap. Um, because secondly, if, if you're listening and you're like me, um, you probably haven't watched pretty much any college basketball this year. And that, that's been me. I, I try to keep up each year to some extent. Um, but this year it's almost been not even in my mind at all. Um, and a lot of that has to do with two of the top you know, three prospects of the draft for this year aren't even in college basketball. And I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of my friends who um, still are, are very, you know, devout on watching uh, college basketball and about how, you know, the the whole how the NCAA works and how the NBA works when it comes to drafting and how the the one and done rule is just uh, kind of almost not ruining it, but but really hindering the, the potential of college basketball. I think that's really, for me, why I haven't really kept up this year. But that recap was was really good for me, too. So hopefully that was really helpful for all of you guys. Um, but like I said, um, as I, as I kind of talk about these players that I have and, and some of the games I want to key in on, um, this is coming from a, a perspective of I'm not really – I haven't really followed this season of college basketball a lot. So you're getting a really raw uh, – NBA biased sort of um, perspective from me, which I think is going to be good to kind of have a little bit of that that back and forth. So yeah. um, any, anyway, the first guy that I wanted to talk about, this is the guy that if you haven't watched any college basketball, you've probably heard his name at least once or twice, and that's Brandon Miller. He's a freshman at Alabama. Um, he is a, he's a wing player, and and you've probably, if, if you're listening to this, you've probably heard of him not for a great reason. Um, he was in some, uh, he's in some legal uh not really trouble because he hasn't been charged or anything, but he had he had some off court uh, drama that involved um, a, a weapon and, and all that. I don't want to get into all that because uh, you can just research it and see what's going on and uh, formulate an opinion yourself. But uh, Brandon Miller has been uh, really just uh, living up to all the potential that he's had um, right now, and I'm also getting a lot of my a lot of my opinions, a lot of my uh, information from uh, Kevin O'Connor's draft board on the Ringer.com. <laughs> Um, which we are not, we are not, you know, partnered with. But hey, Bill Simmons, if you're listening to this and you need another uh, two-man punch podcast duo, we're here. Um, but uh, Kevin O'Connor actually had Brandon Miller. He's he's moved him up to number two on his uh, his mock draft oh, wow. board. Um, yeah, he's he's averaging 19 points on the season, 40 percent from three, eight rebounds, um, almost a block a game. Uh, he's he's a six foot nine wing. He's he has a six eleven wingspan. Um, the, the shades of section. He has shades of Paul George. And actually, I think that um, Brandon Miller himself has said that he tries to steal uh, Paul George's style a little bit and how he plays. Um, he's an elite shot maker. Um, he can he can shoot threes. He, the, the, some of the struggles that he has are um, with uh, – making creating shots off the dribble and he's also not a super strong player he, he's pretty skinny um i watched um uh, i watched an alabama game the other day and, and i was at a restaurant i was watching um alabama i can't remember even who they were playing but um you could tell he, he was really smooth um as far as you know his 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 moves with the ball but um as far as defending and especially with bigger players i think that could that could cause an issue um not only in the tournament, but as he graduates into the NBA as well. Uh, but Brandon Miller is is easily the the top prospect in college basketball for the NBA right now. Um, he's he's he plays on the one seed. You know they they're they're poised to go um, pretty far in the tournament. I think I I have them in the final four. I think I might have them losing in the final four. Um, but Brandon Miller is a, is a huge huge part of that. Yeah. 
Dude, Brandon Miller, I mean, the, the college basketball year has sort of always been about him. I know Zach Eady's been the uh, player of the year, and there's been a lot of other guys. Uh, you know, Trace Jackson Davis has been has been another unanimous All-American. But Brandon Miller's kind of been the guy that everybody's been talking about, even before the whole situation with him. And uh, if anyone's just wondering, because we've kind of alluded to it a couple of times, he was essentially the access- accessory to an accessory to a murder. Uh, someone it has come out that, you know, uh, it was earlier believed that he took a gun to a guy who who shot someone, but in reality, we have since learned uh, someone put a gun in his car that he didn't know about, and then uh, someone basically broke into his car and took that gun and shot someone. So he's not directly connected to this anymore. But, you know, if you just need to know like a quick little story of, of Brandon Miller and why everybody's been talking about him, that's what it is. Uh, I actually, I didn't know the Paul George comparison, so that was really good. Uh, I put a little, like, you know, basically an NBA comparison for a lot of these guys, like the main guys uh, in the tournament that I wrote down. And uh, I picked Jason Tatum for Brandon Miller, which Jason Tatum, you know, is also very similar to Paul George, kind of models his game uh, similarly. So that's a, it makes a whole lot of sense. He's, he's just kind of like a switchy kind of two through four. Um, He, I don't know. He kind of plays this hybrid two, three, most of the time. Um, Even, even a little Jalen Brown esque. But, you know, that kind of like wing player, um, strong defender, great, great, just knockdown shooter, very quick score. Uh, he had like a very iconic game against my South Carolina Gamecocks a few weeks ago. I know everyone was super hyped about him dropping like 40 something points. But uh, if if anyone's trying to get you excited about that game, they clearly have not watched South Carolina play basketball this year. Uh, that's basically like playing a high school team. I mean, literally our best player is 17 years old. All that to say, uh, Brandon Miller, great player. Uh, he's the kind of player that can take you deep in March. Uh, he has struggled a little bit since the allegations came out, since some of that info came out. Uh, he's been heckled a lot, but Alabama, you know, they they lost a couple games to close out the season. They they really struggled. I mean, they struggled against my South Carolina Gamecocks, who were 11-21 and 21 on the season. Um, and this is the number one team in the country for the most part. So all that to say, they were kind of limping to the finish line, and then they just sort of hit like a like a speed boost going through the SEC tournament, you know, just crushing teams in that. So who knows what this team's going to be doing. They're going to be at a neutral site. You know, SEC tournament's at a neutral site, so Brandon Miller might be able to keep this up. Uh, the next player that, that I was going to talk about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the National Player of the Year for just just a second. I don't have a whole lot to, to break down about Zach Eady, but uh, Zach Eady, four center, um, I put – like the NBA comparison for him is Joel Embiid, uh, you know, in just college basketball games are 40 minutes long and this dude's averaging a 22 and 13, which is a whole lot, you know, you have to kind of mentally reduce some of these stats down from what you would expect them to be at the next level. But college students are also like notoriously inconsistent. You know, they have really off off nights when they do. Um, Purdue's entire team, like offensive and defensive end, are run through Zach Eady. Um, and, you know, Purdue is is a one seed. They're sort of like one of the more popular picks to be a team that could be out early because they run everything through a center. And I think people are, are a little biased in the modern NBA kind of lens looking at this. They'll think like, you know, you can't you can't have a whole team that's just centered around this guy. Uh, so, you know, there, he's a, he's a great defensive player as well. You know, he, he gets, a, I don't have his blocks per game in front of me, but I remember seeing it was towards the the highest, uh, in the nation. Um, one thing I would keep an eye on with Zach Eady though, is that he could, uh, he could get a little bit tired. He could get uh, a little tired between the first and second round games. Cause you know, they happen almost back to back. So when you think like huge guy, who's getting a ton of minutes, I would say if you see, if you see Purdue, having to keep Zach Eady in towards the end of the second half. And you see that he's like actually having to work hard. I would be concerned if he's going to play another basketball game, just, you know, a day, a day and a half later or something like that. As you think about guys with this kind of usage, um, it's they, they aren't used to that usage throughout the year. You know, college basketball is not NBA basketball. They don't play every other night. So this is a huge man who's playing, uh, you know, he's used to playing like one game every four or five days, and now he's playing, you know, two games almost back to back. So that's something I keep an eye on with him. Who you have for your next guy? So my next guy is um, Grady Dick. He's the the freshman from Kansas. Um, I love what uh, KOC put on the shades of section for him. Um, because all the other ones are shades of actual players. This one says shades of lava, the fire, <laughs> lava, fire in the sun. Um, Grady Dick is a is uh, a sharpshooter. That that that's his that's his role. He's he's um, just so elite uh, at the three and just hitting any type of shot. And, and 
he talks about here just the um, he's he's really he's not necessarily like a, he'll just get to good spaces. He's just really good at making tough shots. Um, really good athlete. Um, it's just a, a specialist when it comes to uh, cutting into the paint, attacking closeouts, um, and he's he's a he's a hustler. Like he he's he's gonna he's not gonna slouch on the court at all. Um, he kind of has the same sort of uh, weaknesses as um, Brandon Miller in that he's uh, right now kind of a defensive liability, just not super strong, skinny frame. Um, and then as far as uh, his burst off the dribble. Um, it, it, it's also a little bit difficult for him there, there as well. But I just think I'm thinking uh, really as he, he's right now projected somewhere in the top 10 of the draft. I just think in, in a sense of uh, a team that is looking for, you know, what, what do teams look for in, in the NBA? They're looking for guys who can shoot threes and play defense. Um, he doesn't have the second part of that yet, but he is right now just an elite three-point shooter. He's shooting 40% on just about six, six three-points attempts a game right now in, in college. And so I think that he will uh, really easily translate. He just needs to get some strength on him, get some, get some defense on him. Um, as far as the tournament goes, you know, I think Kansas um, is, is one of those, they, they'll be, you know, aiming for that back-to-back title. Um, you know, I don't know many people who necessarily have them uh, going uh, that far as, as far as winning um, this, this year's tournament, but he would definitely be a huge piece of that. Um, with his elite shooting. Yeah, and I would I'd venture to say just to make like a, a comparison, not to the NBA, but to a former college player, because um, I think the NBA comparison's a little flawed here. I would compare Grady Dick to uh to like Duncan Robinson on Mich- on Michigan a few years ago. Sort of that same like uh you know, he he can be a three level scorer, but you know, he's he's gonna be lethal from three. Um but the thing is about Kansas this year, you know, if if you get thrown off by any kind of you know, three point heavy players or teams. The thing about Kansas this year is that like they have about eight dudes who can give you uh double digit points on any, on any given game. They're like a very deep team, a very consistent roster. So with Grady Dick, I mean, if he's not, if his shots not falling, that's not going to be it for Kansas. I'll, I'll put it like that. You know, he can, he can give you some other stuff. Um, I'm going to, I'll do one more or I'll do, I'll do two more because I've only done one so far. And uh, if you want to give one more, Keith, we'll just kind of yeah. we'll just do that, keep it at six. Uh, the next guy that I want to point out who's going to be kind of like a key player in this. Um, dang it, now I'm looking at this, and there's three guys I want to talk about. I'm going <laughs> to – I'll just give one a shout-out before we're done, because I don't have much to say about him. Um, next guy I want to talk about is uh, UCLA. You know, they lost Jalen Clark for the season. Uh, a lot of people are looking at, at this UCLA team and seeing it as – you know, the team that uh, went to the Final Four a couple years ago. Um, you know, great, great, fun story. They were a whole lot of fun to watch. Um, little Johnny Juzang action. People remember that the UCLA team is largely still in the tournament. It's a lot of recognizable faces. Uh, you know, I think that being there and knowing just how to, like, travel and wake up and train and, and handle the grind of the March Madness tournament helps teams a whole lot. I think having a coach who's been there helps a whole lot. So when you think about UCLA, even without Jalen Clark, they might still have a good leg up in the tournament. Maybe two seeds a little too high for them uh, without their second best player. And so that's why I am putting for my next player that I want to talk about, I want to talk about Hami Hakez from UCLA. He is um, he is a guard. Guards win March. That's sort of a thing that people talk about all the time. If you're a, a big, heavy team like Purdue, you can struggle because, like I said, it's a grind. It's tough for guys like that. But if you have like a, a ball-dominant guard – um, and, I, and for his shades of in the NBA comparison, I put John Morant. Um, if you have a ball dominant guard who can go in and just kind of score however he needs to, and then just you know phase himself into being part of the the rotation in other areas, then you know you've got a guy. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of Jaime Jaquez. Uh I think UCLA's uh, fortunes in the tournament rise and fall on him. He's uh, currently averaging seventeen and eight on forty seven percent shooting. I would imagine that, or sorry, 17 and eight on uh, 47% shooting. I think that he will, uh, those numbers will definitely go up. It'll be interesting to see what kind of happens. It could be one of those situations where you have a guy who, uh, without the next best player on the team, he just has to score more. And that's probably going to be their only option right now with Hami Hakez. And so will that added, um, will the added amount of time with the ball in his hands and the more shots that he's going to get up, translate into more points since he is a 47% shooter 
like I said, UCLA two seed is going to rise and fall based on how uh, how well he's going to be able to carry this team. All right, Hiss with your third one, Keith. All right, my next guy is Kyle Filipowski. He is a freshman at Duke. So Duke, um, you were talking about old Mr. K earlier. Uh, I don't think anyone really uh, expected what has happened in these past couple of weeks with Duke. They're just they're just on a hot hot streak right now, and um, obviously they, they made the tournament without without Coach K. Uh, Kyle Filipowski is is the center for this team. He is uh, just a really skilled big man, um, and. Uh, Kevin O'Connor has shades of John Collins without elite hops in here. I think that's a great uh, comparison. I would also maybe say even something like Walker Kessler, who has been uh, just a super big surprise for the NBA this year oh, that's um, a good in one. Utah. Um, just uh, really at the center position, being uh, just really skilled with keeping the ball moving. Moving. Um, he's he's a he's not afraid to shoot the three right now. He's only shooting 28% um, from, from three. He's shooting about four, almost four three point attempts a game, uh, but he's not afraid to shoot it. He, he'll shoot it. And he's not something that you can just leave open um, as a center. He's, he's really, he plays really hard on defense. He's not, he's not a slouch on the court either. Um, he's a reliable post threat. Um, you know, he, he's not necessarily the, the score do- dominant uh, kind of center, but you don't, you, he's not like a, you know, when I'm thinking of NBA, more NBA comparisons, he's not a Rudy Gobert who, you know, you would be, he's a lead on defense, but you don't feed him the ball ever. Um, you know, Filipowski is a really, um, really trustworthy offensive player. I think his, his weaknesses, um, he's still, you know, these, these, especially a lot of these young centers in college, you know, they just don't have the strength quite yet. Um, that doesn't mean that it won't come to them, you know, so he kind of struggles when he faces guys who are, uh, a lot stronger than him, um, in the, in the paint, as far as, uh, you know, when I, when I talked about him, him moving the ball around, um, he does have a lot of, uh, turnovers, uh, just, just because he is, he isn't afraid to kind of play that Jokic game and just pass out and, and, and do cool things with the basketball. Um, and so sometimes that just causes some careless turnovers. And so, um, just him fixing, fixing those things. I think that he'll be, um, a really, a really valuable late, late first rounder for the NBA. Um, and then in this, in this tournament too, you know, if, if Duke continues their hot streak, you know, I think he'll be a big part of that as well. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I like the pick. I really like you talking about him because I do think that Duke's gotten a little undercovered this year. I think the story with them has just been, well, it's it's a down year for the ACC. They won the ACC tournament, so I guess congratulations for that. Uh, but yeah, Flip, he's been the uh, he was the ACC Rookie of the Year. I hate that they call it that and not Freshman of the Year like every other conference <laughs> does. But I guess when all of your freshmen of the year leave, you know, the next year, you might as well just call him rookie of the year. Uh, He's the ACC rookie of the year. He's a unanimous first team uh, all all freshman guy. Uh, When I think about him, I mean, he's like he's a motor. He's a very consistent. I mean, he is the driving force of this Duke team, especially on the defensive end. Um, I know he's he's averaging somewhere between 15 and 16 points per game. I can't remember what it was last time I checked, Uh, but he's he's. you know, he brings a consistency that is rare in college basketball. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, these guys are, are 18, 19 year olds. You, they can just have random bad games way more, way more often than NBA guys. Uh, so that's what you're getting from him. You, you at least know the Duke team that you're going to see game after game in the tournament, which is, is huge. You know, uh, that's one of the benefits in the tournament of big men is that you can expect that it's not like you're rising and falling based on somebody's shots, but he will keep them in games. I mean, that's the thing, you know, a lot of people, I think one of the more popular upsets right now has been Oral Roberts over Duke in that first round in the the five twelve matchup. But, you know, uh, Flip's going to keep them in every single game, no matter how far they go in the tournament. Nothing's going to be a wash. So that's, that's a great breakdown. I want to talk about my last guy right now, and he is my favorite guy of the tournament. I haven't heard really anyone talk about this guy, so I'm kind of excited to uh, to give my analysis here. Keith, have you ever heard of a man named Mike Miles Jr. out of TCU? <laughs> I have not. Man, I love this guy. So, Mike Miles, I'm thinking I put down shades of like 2012 Chris Paul. Like he's not he's not like, you know, point guard Chris Paul necessarily, but he's like, hey, I will I will get the Clippers deep into the playoffs, you know, Chris Paul. Which, you know, maybe that somebody listening, maybe that's your favorite version of Chris Paul. That's great. Um Man, TCU, I think, is probably the most underrated team in the tournament. 
Uh, I'm kind of surprised they aren't everybody's like sleeper pick. They're sixth seed right now. Uh, we don't know who their opponent's going to be. Um, I think it is either going to be Mississippi State or Arizona State. I think they're in that kind of thing, but we'll know after the the play-in games. So Mike Miles, uh, he he's not an elite scorer. He's not an elite defender, and I know I've probably uh, lost anyone who is looking to buy into uh, this guy being a tipping point in the tournament. Uh, but he is like the engine of a really good TCU team on both ends of the court. He's a very unselfish player. Uh, he distributes super well. He gets people into position super well. He's just sort of dictating the flow of the game. You play at Mike Miles' speed when he's on the court, and he's on the court a lot. And in fact, you know, when he's played this year, um, you know, Kansas, for the most part, has been viewed as the number one overall seed all season long. It's kind of crazy that they were the second one seed when it came tournament time. Uh, I was expecting them to be the number one overall seed, but Alabama got that. But Kansas, um, when they played TCU this year, they played them three times. Uh, they lost the two times that Mike Miles played, including one of them, which was an over 20 point loss. It was just an absolute blowout. Um, this guy, I mean, I just, he's just so smooth. He reminds me a little bit, uh, you know, I put, I put that version of Chris Paul, but what I was really thinking when I was writing this was he reminds me a little bit of Jalen Brunson. Okay. It's like when, when he's bringing the ball up, it's, it's going to be slow and you're going to play at his speed, no matter what he's going to, he's going to make you feel a little out of place playing his version of basketball. And that's what I love about Mike miles. Uh, TCU is a six seed right now. They were projected to be a two seed back in January. So you're getting really good value down here. They kind of got a tough draw. They would have to play Gonzaga in the second round if they win. But, um, they they fell to the sixth seed because Mike Miles actually got hurt. And when he got hurt, I uh, can't remember exactly what happened. It was like a hamstring thing, I believe. Uh, but TCU ended up going uh, one and five while he was out. Uh, just an absolute skid. It dropped them down. Uh, but when he came back, they immediately uh, beat Kansas State, which is a three seed. They uh, beat Kansas once again. Uh, they, I believe, either beat or narrowly lost to Texas. Um, which, you know, Texas went on to win the Big 12 title. I love Mike Miles. I think this is great value. I think that, you know, he's returned to full health, and I think TCU is going to be a very sneaky team. I actually have him going to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8 in almost every bracket because I believe in this team. I just want that to be marked down. I want to be the guy who gets on this team. And I another thing that I just put down with, with Mike Miles is that I think that there is a real thing, whether you look at, like, the – the Florida football and basketball teams of the 2000s or whatever. I think there's a real thing with like a a football team going far and then that momentum since the seasons overlap, it carries into the arena for the basketball team. And I think TCU made the national championship in football, so I could see it happening. I could see him making a run here. And like I said, I wanted to give a shout out to one other player and that is going to be Keontae Johnson from Kansas state. Um, if anyone's unfamiliar with Keontae Johnson, uh, he's, I mean, he's a great player. Um, you know, Kansas State, like I, I just said a second ago, they're a three seed. He's one of their best players, top two for that team. Uh, but, you know, the big thing that I, I love about Keontae Johnson, if you remember back in 2020, um, a player just sort of went up for an alley-oop uh, for Florida at the time and uh, came down and just collapsed on the court and basically had to be taken off, taken to the hospital. Um, I can't even remember what happened. Uh, but that was Keontae Johnson, and he has uh, since returned to playing basketball this year. He's led K-State to a three-seed. Uh, they have a real shot at the title. They're, like, I think everyone's a popular not one or two-seed to win it this year. So we love an underdog story. So shout-out to Keontae Johnson. We're hoping for the best for that team, specifically because of him. All right, Keith. So next what I want to do is a little two-part game that we're going to play. We love our games here on the Deep 2 pod. This is, uh, I don't have a good name for it. It's called the Undersea Locks Game. So it, what I'm going to lay this out for the people at home. It, so what we're going to do is we're each going to pick three games. We're going to specifically pick the lower seed to win those three games. And then on the next pod, we will recap uh, what our three picks were. And we will essentially uh, attribute points to each of our picks. Whoever has more points wins and gets to pick the next game that we play. We like our games. We both have ideas for a lot of games, so that's going to sort of be our little in-house prize. So, for example, uh, what I'm thinking is take, uh, you know, if you if you think uh, UNC Asheville is going to beat, uh, I can't even remember who they're playing. I think they're playing UCLA maybe. Uh, I know it's a 15 versus yes. a 2 seed. Sweet. 
Uh, I filled out a lot of brackets, people. Um, <laughs> if UNC Ash, if you if Kiefer were to pick UNC Asheville to beat UCLA, and they do, then we would subtract the two from the fifteen, and that's how many points he gets. So it'd be thirteen. So picking a more wild upset would be better than picking like, uh, you know, like a a nine and like I think Iowa's is an eight seed playing. Uh, who are they playing? Because whoever they're playing is like the the popular team to to beat them. Auburn. Auburn, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you pick like a, a nine to beat an eight, you don't get one point for that. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you do something more wild, you know, you get more points. So we're just going to pick three games. Uh, don't have to give like a whole lot of a breakdown about it. If if it's just a gut feeling, it's just a gut feeling. But Keith, I'm going to give you the floor here for the first mm-hmm. pick. All right. So I am – I'm going to do two safer ones and then one – kind of wild homer one. Um, mm. I'm going to, I'm going to start with my safe ones. Um, I have, this is my actual, my main bracket that I have. I have Utah state 10 seed taking down Missouri, a seven seed. Ooh. So let me, let me I actually have it documented already. So that's my, that's my <laughs> first under seed lock. Hey, that's good. That's good. Uh, if you want to go ahead and write down my picks, that'd be awesome. Super oh, yeah. helpful for the next pod. Um, I have nothing to say about that. I have no thoughts on on Utah State, <laughs> and I've watched a couple of Missouri games and have no thoughts on them. So mm-hmm. if it happens, it happens. You get three points. Uh, for my first pick, I'm going to go with one of the most popular upsets. I'm going to go with an in-state team, and I am going to take probably the most fun team in the tournament, and that is Charleston College mm. of Charleston over San Diego State. I don't I don't believe in the MAC. I just don't. Sorry, I, I think that it's a bad conference. I think that they've only won one conference game in like 30 years or something like that. And I think that Charleston is going to have a good shot in this. Uh, Keith, did you know that Charleston won 19 consecutive games at one point this season? I, I think mean, I actually did see that earlier. <laughs> that's crazy. Like that, yeah. you can't be like a, a bad team. I don't care what your competition is. Like the good teams don't want to schedule Charleston. That's why their their schedule is what it is. Because you know, if you beat them, then it's like you were supposed to. And if you lose to them, it's you know, well, it's it's Charleston. How'd you lose to them? Uh, they're super up tempo team. They shoot a lot of threes. I feel good about it. Mm, amazing. All right, my next one. I'm gonna take. Let's see. I'm gonna take number twelve VCU against number five SMC. Mm. And I'm trying to remember why I took that. Oh, I think it's I think it's just because um, with with VCU just defensively, um, I think that they are everything that you are looking for in a in a one of those Cinderella teams. Um, and I don't have them going past the the round of 32, but I think I think a good upset in this first round they might be they might be one of those that just a a nice little story for one round. So I'm taking oh. I'm taking VCU. I like the pick. I like the pick. I am going to go. Uh, what I've been banking all of my brackets on is a sweet like game in the round of 32 for the state of South Carolina. So what I'm going to do is stay true to the course. My next, my next under pick or under seed lock. I'm going to go with a 13 versus a four seed. I'm taking Furman over Virginia. Mm, that was going to be my homer pick as well. Oh man, I figured it was. <laughs> I had to go ahead and claim it, man. Um, not a whole lot to say about this matchup other than I just want to see Charleston and Furman play in the second round. Uh, <laughs> Virginia has uh, been probably my favorite ACC team of the season, but still that's not saying much. Anybody can win any game. Uh, Furman's also been a very up-tempo, fun team. I do think that a Charleston-Furman game might not sound exciting to people at home who haven't been watching college basketball. It's two, you know, Division two schools and all that stuff, but uh, it would be a very high-scoring affair. I mean, we could see some 80s and 90s on the board. Mm. So I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, man, if, if, Furman, if Furman actually does go far, that would be so hype for them just being like – 20 minutes down the road from us i know shout um, out to uh travelers rest south carolina i oh, i know yeah. that i know the Furman students don't have a lot of love for our alma mater but you know what <laughs> we shopped at the same walmart we ate at the same cookout they feel like our distant relatives yep we went to their library when ours was closed <laughs> it was amazing all right so um i'm having to shift a little bit here um i think i'm just gonna go a little crazier I have I have I have a couple like 10-7 upsets in my actual bracket, but mm. that's not going to get me any points. So I'm going to go with with uh, one you talked about earlier, and I'm going to take Oral Roberts over Duke, um, oh. number twelve over number five. 
um, because, well, one, because I don't, I actually don't think that's going to happen, but I'm going to take it here because I can see it happening with um, this, like you, like you were talking about these Duke has been on fire as far as these ACC games have gone, but um, you know, when it comes to the tournament, you never know what, what's going to happen. So I'm going to take them. Um, new, new coach um, in there, you, you, they, they don't have that stability of, of uh, Mr. K. So uh, I'm mm. going to take Oral Roberts over them for my yeah, last that's, pick. That's good. I love it. I love it. Oral Roberts is a, a fun school to watch. Shout out to private Christian schools everywhere. <laughs> this is for you. Um, not giving Furman that shout out because uh, they have chosen not to be one. <laughs> That's a good pick. That's a good pick. That's one of the more popular picks. I'll say that it mm. could end up paying off. Um, for my final pick, you know, I thought I'll go ahead and, and let y'all see my draft board a little bit here. I thought Colgate over Texas. I liked that, but Texas won the Big Twelve title, so they're coming in high. Uh, I thought Providence over Kentucky, but um, you know, despite Kentucky's woes this year, I just don't know enough about Providence. Um, so I'm actually going to go with. A what I think is a fairly safe pick, and that is going to be twelve seed Drake over five mm. seed Miami. Um, I love Jim Larinaga; he's one of my favorite coaches in college basketball. I think he's great. Uh, I think he should come to South Carolina and coach G.G. Jackson. Uh, great, great guy. Um, this team just very, very poor on offense, and they basically exclusively played poor. Or sorry, very poor on defense. They pretty much exclusively played bad offenses all year. So. I think that they are going to have a tough time in this tourney. And uh, on top of that, you know, Miami's a team built by the NIL. This is something that we're just seeing more and more of the, these years. Uh, you know, three of their starters are guys who basically just came over because Miami was like, hey, we need some players, and they just dropped a bag for them. So all that to say, uh, I, I just don't think that they love Miami like that. I don't think that they're going to uh, have that passion, that fire when it comes time for the tourney. I think that uh, people who chose to go to Drake will feel the opposite. I think that they're ready to represent <laughs> their tiny little school. I think it's just going to be a heart game, Keith. I think it's yeah. going to be like that. So uh, give me Drake over Miami. I'm excited to see what, what we have uh, next pod. We'll recap this segment and uh, just come back to it. We'll talk about talk about who won, you know? Oh, yeah. Hopefully we don't have like a tie situation. <laughs> but just to close out this pod, Keith, um, I think the the big question everybody wants answered is uh, who do you have winning the national title? Ryan, I have. Let me just say this: my my uh, my final four is extremely boring. I have all one seeds, and I'm not proud of it. But <laughs> in, in in past bracket challenges, I have uh, just been a little bit too outrageous with my picks, and so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna stay. I'm gonna stay pretty safe. Um, and so for my national champion, I actually have Houston. Uh, winning it all. I think mm -hmm. that um, they are one of the most complete teams. Um, I have them against Alabama, actually, and and we already talked about Alabama a little bit, but um, with Houston, I think just they're just a well-rounded, um, well-rounded squad. Uh, they have uh, the AAC Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Jamal Sheed. You know, he's he's uh, one of the best just defensive guys in the in the league or in the in the uh, NCAA. And I think just um, they'll, they'll just dominate as far as uh, both sides of the ball goes. And I just think that that's going to be a, a pretty – for me, it's it's a pretty easy – when I as, as somebody who doesn't necessarily watch it, I just see all of the results and the, and the highlights and stuff. And I just think that they're going to be the most dominant team. Who do you got? Man, that's, that's a good pick. I You know, in some of my brackets, I have picked Houston. Um, I am – I'm going to go with the other team that I've been picking in all my brackets just so we don't have the same answer. And that's going to be Kansas. Uh, I love this year's Kansas team. I, I love two things, man. I love when a team has a lot of guys. I just love a ton of guys. You know, I said this about mm -hmm. the Utah Jazz a few pods ago, but if you've just got a lot of guys that you can throw on the court and it's like, man, that's their eighth man, and I like that, dude. Uh, that's the kind of team that I like watching. And I yeah. love teams that are very switchy. I love it like when, you know, like some team inevitably in like the second round is going to get Zach Eady into a bunch of switches and he's going to get cooked because he's seven foot four. I love a team like Kansas where it's like, Hey, you can't really switch onto a bad defender. Like they're going to keep throwing dudes at you and they're going to make it hard to score all game long. That's what I love about Kansas. And I do have a crazy stat for you. Um, since uh, Bill Self has been the coach at Kansas and Bill Self might actually be the best remaining coach in college basketball. Now that, so many guys have retired in the last couple of years, but since uh, Bill Self has been at Kansas, when they've been a one seed, uh, he has made the elite eight seven out of eight years. 
that they've been mm. the the one seed. And if wow. you if you give me this Kansas team in the Elite Eight, you know, which they probably will be given that track mm-hmm. record. Uh, if you have that Kansas team in the Elite Eight, I could see them going all the way. Uh, the one year that he didn't actually was the year that Joel Embiid hurt his back and was out for the rest of the tournament. So you lose your best player, like yeah. that's a that's a good reason for the one the one loss in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Houston's a great pick. You know the the national championship and the Final Four are uh, going to be played in Houston. Mm. Um, it's I know people have beat this to death, but in case you somehow haven't heard it, listening at home, uh, Jim Nance will be on the call for all of the games. Uh, Jim Nance is of course a, a University of Houston basketball legend. It will be his last two games commentating college basketball. So the chance to have him commentating uh, while the game is essentially a home game for Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's all there for them. That's why I love that team. It's just such a fun team to watch too. Uh, you know, some people have brought up that it might be a distraction if they make it that far, but I can't like, it's such a swing in college basketball. You know, you look at some of these stats and it's like, teams are way better at home versus on the road. You know, you take like a Maryland who's basically won one road game all year, but they're an eight seed because they win so many home games. Like these, these are college kids. They love playing in front of home arenas. I think that will matter a lot for Houston. Um, I just want to touch on uh, a couple other things. Just wrap it up with a couple little picks. Keith, if you have any extra picks that you're feeling good about, feel free to throw them in. Um, but some teams, you know, I just want to touch on this like I did at the beginning. Some teams just aren't the team that you think that they are. You know, don't let name recognition fool you. Uh, You know, Iowa this year, a lot of people have good memories of Iowa. You might think of them as a good corn-fed basketball team. Uh, But, you know, they they lost Eastern Illinois by the largest spread loss in the history of college basketball this year. You know, Uh, when they're not at home, their shooting percentage goes down 12%. So, you know, teams like that, like things can swing – uh, don't let the name recognition fool you. You know, you might think of UConn as like a, a good historical basketball program. Uh, Keith, do you know that UConn hasn't won a tournament game now in seven years? Um, mm. So just just don't let it get to you. Uh, NC State, you know, has zero quality wins based on like the quad one, quad two rankings of like how good your wins are. Uh, they lost three times to Clemson, who's not in the tournament. Probably should be. Probably should be in place of NC State. Um, mm. You know, but NC State you know, has struggled. I think it'll be just sort of like a thing when you see them down there, it's like, Hey, that's an 11 seed. That's a logical team to, uh, that's a logical team to pick for like an uh, early upset might not be. So, uh, there's a lot of consensus picks, you know, Purdue losing in the second round to Memphis is a pretty consensus one. You know, Memphis stacks up well, uh, they can get really switchy with Zach ED. I think if you want to pick a one seed to lose early Purdue losing in round two, um, I don't, I mean, I've, it's kind of weird. You never see people specifically pick a, a second round uh, team to beat another second round team so often. You know, I don't know what people would do if Florida Atlantic ends up beating Memphis in the first round. Um, mm. You know, ten, Tennessee is, is you know, going to be without Sakai Ziegler, so they're going to be a popular pick to lose in the first round. And uh, like I said, man, my TCU Horned Frogs, formerly known <laughs> as the Texas Christian University Horned Frogs, but their athletic program only goes by TCU and not Texas Christian. And that is a true story. Um, mm. So TCU Horn Frogs, man, they're, uh, I believe in them. I think they're going to knock Gonzaga out in the second round. That's my own personal lock. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I do have one more thing. Um, and then I'll, I'll just pass the mic to you to close it out, Keith. Uh, if you are going to be filling out a women's bracket this year, don't ever think it. South Carolina is the best women's team by a mile. I mean, it's essentially the equivalent of like if, uh, you know, Georgia these last two years had exclusively played like Alabama and Ohio State and like other top teams, but still beat them by like 30 points a game, which is literally South Carolina's point differential 32 mm-hmm. and 0 with 30 point per game average win. So uh, don't don't ever think it. They're going to win it all. They're probably going to play LSU because LSU is definitely the second best team in the country. Uh, and shout out to Aaliyah Boston, player of the year. I love South mm-hmm. Carolina women's basketball, as some of y'all know. So Keith, got anything else for us? Well, first of all, you know, shout out to the queen, Don Staley, you know, just just absolute legend. Oh. Um, just this- just a couple teams. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the second greatest of all time until she passes Gina Oriama. <laughs> right. So um, my uh, my only my only kind of last takeaways, um, I have Gonzaga going pretty far. I think I have them in Elite Eight, actually. Um, I am 
there's really no other reason other than I really like uh, Drew Timmy and just mm. the, you know, the when you see a guy who's been there basically all four years um, and they've they've gotten so close a ton of times. I think that they've they they've lost in the in the Natty like twice in the past couple mm-hmm. years. Um, just just getting so close, I, I feel like that could be a, a sneaky little. You know, I don't have them going going to the anywhere near uh, the the championship, but um, I think that could be a sneaky little storyline if, if if they get hot at any time. Um, and then just just as just in a general sense, the tournament is uh, it's so exciting for for many reasons. This is some of the best basketball I think that that we get to watch at any point. You know, we are obviously an NBA podcast and we talk about the NBA all the time, um, but the regular season of the NBA is is not always the most exciting thing, um, especially in some of these, you know, non-nationally televised games. Uh, but with college basketball and especially in the tournament, this is, if you if you haven't watched it, you know, I'm, I'm not, like I was talked about at the beginning of this podcast, I'm not a huge uh, follower of college basketball, but I'll always hop in uh, during the tournament because it's just such good basketball. It's super enjoyable to watch. And then also, if you are a fan of the NBA and you're looking looking to, to uh, really see what's going on in college basketball and who is going to be these these future stars, you know, the tournament is where a lot of guys shine. A lot of guys who you may not even expect you know, they might be, you know, in the in the later first round or second round projections um, as far as the draft goes. A lot of them boost their value up a ton in the tournament. And so I'm excited to see that and excited to see, you know, just how this all turns out. Um, and I ha- like I said, I haven't followed it at all this season. So I'm excited just to just to catch up and, and watch these games. Oh, yeah. um, and we always love we always love the, the good Cinderella stories. I'm, I'm really sad that um, my fan favorite from the past couple of years has been um, Loyola, Chicago. Um, mm. They're not in the tournament this year. I didn't, I, you know, didn't don't follow them at all in the regular season um, any, any more than any of these other teams. But um, you know, we we love teams like that that just you know they come out of nowhere. Like you talked about the, the little private Christian schools that <laughs> have like two thousand kids who mm-hmm. attend their school. Um, it's it's just it's just a, it's just fun times for basketball. And so um, encouraging you all you all to watch and and tune in. Let us know you know your picks if if, if you have any crazy upsets that you predict. Um, and who you guys have going and, and winning it all too. So, uh, Ryan, again, thank you for educating myself and educating <laughs> um, all of our listeners on uh, this year's March Madness tournament. We are super excited uh, for this for this tournament. We're also excited for the rest of the NBA season and and, and just kind of seeing where all everything turns out. Uh, but we want to thank everyone for tuning in for listening. As always, Ryan's a great time talking hoops with you. We will catch you guys next time. Shout out Don Staley. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Deep2Pod. That's Deep, the number two, pod. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star rating so we can continue to bring the latest in the NBA and all of our mild to spicy takes. Catch you next time here at Deep2. Deep2.